Hey, this is Pastor Ellie, one of the lead pastors of Bold Church. I wanted to say thank you for joining us today. If you want to stay up to date on everything that's happening at Bold Church, want to live stream a service, or find out when our next gathering is, head over to bold.church. Enjoy the message. Good morning, good morning. Who's excited for church? Come on. Three of you, let's ask one more time. Who's excited for church? Come on. If we have not met, my name is Ali. Welcome to Bold Church. We started this church six years ago with a dream. Let me quickly explain that dream to you. God gave us a dream for a place where not only Christians could grow in their faith. We got a passionate group of people here. Our tribe, we are a loud church, so get ready. You can't sleep in this church. We're coming for you. And listen, the seven of the eight people that started the church, we all got saved in our 20s. We know what it feels like to walk into a church and your booties clench and you're like, oh my gosh, are they going to ask me to pray out loud? Yes. It's a place where you can come explore faith. You are, if you are new to church, you are VIP here. Let me tell you, we started this church to reach unchurched people. We love unchurched people here, which is why I'm so excited for our collection of talks called Pray First. Someone say pray first. Because we want to begin our prayer not praying reactively when emergency happens we want to pray not prayer what's the next thing to do praying first because the first thing we do and many of you in this room let me tell you you're exploring christianity let me just burst your bubble there's nothing i'm gonna say that's gonna convince you that god's real if you want to know god's real talk to him yourself pray jump in on this 21 days of prayer that we're and i'm promising you he will reveal himself to you One of my favorite stories, there's this dude in our church that had a hundred questions, came to Alpha, and one of the lessons was pray, and he prayed, and God answered, and he's like, I believe. I'm like, what about your hundred questions? I don't need to answer any of them. That's what God does. He reveals himself. Before I begin, though, I got two dates put on your calendar, January 10th. We got our first prayer and worship night this Wednesday. And teamwork makes the dream work the following wednesday is january 17th our first of the year team night if you are part of the dream team we're having dinner we're having a leadership talk it's going to fire you up for the year and if you're not part of our church and want to be next sunday our, our team talked about this growth track you go to growth track and come to team night and there's one more wednesday the 24th how many know what's happening on that oh conference that's right there's a limited number of seats, and once we run out, you can watch from the parking lot or watch online. <laughs> but uh, I want to pray before we begin, because I let's pray before we talk about prayer. Amen? So let me just pray real quick. Thank you, God, so much, God, for what you're doing in this faith community. God, I, I remember for the two years, God, we were online. Or the one year we were online, two years at 5 o'clock, and God, you've done miracles this last year. God, we're beginning our, our year putting you first. God, we... We go to so many things. We go to mentors. We go to doctors. We go to counselors, God. But maybe this be the year where we come to you first before we go anywhere else, God. God, we don't want prayer to be the, the next thing we do. We want it to be the first thing we do. And if you believe that everybody said, everybody said, I want to teach you a secret about prayer that I wish someone would have shared with me 20 years ago. I'm a this June I'll be a Christian for 20 years and I wish someone would have shared this principle with me 20 it's going to change your faith and it will unlock something with you and your prayer life will change and it comes from King David Psalm 139 it begins with search me someone say search me me. he says search me oh God it's on the screen I hope come in 
come in. Search me, God, and know my heart. He's saying, God, do an x-ray. Do an MRI CAT scan. Look inside of me because I got some things inside of me that I can't see, but you see, and they're harming me. I got some marriage problems, and I think the problem is me. I got some finance problems. God, I'm finally convinced it might be me. God, I've had 10 bosses who are crazy, and I'm finally thinking the problem might be me. Look inside of me, God. Test me. And he's saying, God, examine what's going on inside my heart. And then he says, test me and know my anxious thoughts. God, I, I got anxiety. I'm worried. Is that from my childhood, Lord? Is that from my kids? Is that from people don't, who drive slow in the fast lane? Where is this coming from, God? We're praying you repent in this room and learn how to drive. See if there's any offensive way in, in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I'm going to tell you a, a principle, a truth, and many of you are going to hear it for the very first time, and you're going to think I'm a heretic. And before you judge me, let me get through this sermon for 25 minutes, and then you and your public education can judge me. And the principle is this. Prayer can mess you up. No one will tell you that. Your pastor won't tell you that. Your mom won't tell you. Listen, prayer will mess you up. I was watching uh, football a couple weeks ago, uh, and, and did you know 70% of the commercials are pharmaceutical companies? That it's crazy how often I see a, 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 a medication for some skin disease or some back pain or all this crazy stuff. And then at the end of the commercial, there was another voice. And it spoke a lot faster than the first voice. The first voice was encouraging. The second voice scared me. The second voice said this. And the most common side effects are dry mouth, unpleasant taste in the tongue, drowsiness, a difficult waking up in the morning, headache, dizziness, cold-like symptoms such as a runny nose or coughing, ongoing grogginess the next day, anxiety, abnormal behavior such as aggression, confusion, hallucination, sleepwalking, severe depression, and suicidal thoughts. Ask your doctor if this jug is right for you. I'm like, bro, I'm going to deal with the disease. It sounds safer than that. And listen, I'm not saying prayer is going to jack you up like that, but prayer will mess you up. The first thing I want to tell you is prayer, it ex examines and exposes your heart. Uh, the theologian Tim Keller says this, prayer is the entryway into genuine self-knowledge. It is also the main way to experience deep change. You don't know who you are until you pray. I wrote like this, you don't know how much you believe until you start to pray. If the only way that you have to believe is to believe it, you don't actually believe it. Prayer exposes what you actually believe. Let me show you this, this principle. Let's say I say that this chair can hold up my weight. At this point, if I just say it holds up my weight, that's not, that's not belief. That's hope. Belief is when I put my weight on it. See, what, what prayer does is it puts your faith into practice. You don't know what you believe until you begin to pray. I learned this principle a while ago when I, when I was in the sixth grade. Uh, this is before we got your freedom of a car, before you go to college and you're away from your parents. When you're little, the first time you're away from your parents is science camp in the sixth grade. How many went to science camp? Come on. I went to Yosemite, and it's been 30 years, and I still remember this two-hour conversation we had about bears. And when you see a bear, they, you don't say bear, because bears, so often they hear humans, you go, bar, over the R. I go, bro, they don't speak English. But because the bears in Yosemite are so often around humans, they know when you're calling to them. And you know what the advice was? It wasn't run. It was one of two things. Either you lay down in the fetal position, which I'm never doing, 
or you just stand there. Because if you run, he's going to chase after you. And, and, and the reason why is because bears run 30 miles an hour, which is crazy when Usain Bolt, he runs 27, which means all of us, if a bear chases us, we're all going to be eaten. But I hope some of you are a little bit slower than me. He's going to eat you first, okay? <laughs> so we're talking to this guy, and I'm like, bro, you, you live here. We're only here for a week. Just be honest with me. You've been here for like three years now. You're one of those crazy white people that loves the nature. <laughs> yeah, that's what camping is, living like a homeless person. I don't want to do that. Some of you love that, by the way. We're praying for you. And I go, bro, have you ever actually seen a bear? He goes, yes. And all 10 of us, we froze. We're like, you saw a bear here? He goes, yes. I go, what did you do when you saw it? And he kind of froze. He was hesitant to tell us. He goes, I ran. <laughs> I go, did it chase you? He goes, I never looked back. <laughs> and that's what prayer does. You don't actually believe God can, can hear you until you begin to pray. I roll like this. You don't know how much you doubt until you start to pray. How many believe God hears you when you pray? Go pray for an hour, and, and you'll be like, God, do you hear me? God, are you there? Am I just talking to myself? Because you don't know how much you doubt until you pray. Prayer, I'm telling you, there's some side effects to prayer. It will mess you up. How many of you believe God, God can heal? They say statistically, 7 out of 10 Christians believe God can heal. If you really believe God can heal, after church, we're going to the cancer ward. Let's pray for all the people who are dying. Let's see how many of you actually believe. Because you don't know how much you doubt, listen, until you pray. Because, listen, there are some side effects that no one tells you about, about prayer. I wrote like this. You don't know how messed up you are. Until you pray. Because prayer, you ever go to a mechanic and your car looks amazing, and then he opens up the hood, he goes, oh, oh, my, this is broke. You're like, you didn't even know. The wheels look good, the engine looks good, but then he goes inside, that's what prayer does. It opens up the hood to your soul, and God sees things that no one else can see. I was reading this article about social media, and this is how the way that we consume social media changed after COVID. Pre-COVID, it was primarily pictures. And after COVID, it's primarily video. And what, what the king of social media used to be Instagram, and now it is TikTok. And TikTok has been pushing these reels. And for some of you, you're addicted. You already know this. But they say that the average consumer, whatever they were doing pre-COVID, it doubled after COVID. So if you were an hour before COVID, you're two hours now. If you're two hours before, you're four hours now. And now every social media platform has reels. Instagram, even YouTube has reels now. And, and what, what many people assume is that we're trying to disconnect, Pastor Ali. I'm trying to unwind at the end of the day. And the reality is you're not disconnecting. Because what social media consumption reveals is something about your heart. You're not happy with your life, so you're connected with someone else's life. And your life has so many distractions, you can never hear the voice of God. Which is what the antidote for prayer is. You remove all of those distractions. And when you're finally alone with God, he opens up the hood and goes... I got some things to tell you. Have you ever sat down and pray, and you thought you were normal, and all these crazy thoughts come in your head? You're praying, and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm angry at that guy who cut me off two days ago. You didn't even think about it until you started praying. You sit down, and then you get angry at your boss from three, you haven't seen him in two years, and all of a sudden you're angry. Listen, that's by design. There are some side effects to prayer that no one will tell you. Jesus mentioned this in Matthew chapter 5. He says this. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and there, remember, someone say remember, that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift 
there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Why would the person who's praying for forgiveness remember they got some? Because God's like, you want, you want me to forgive you? Sure, I'd love to, but who do you need to forgive? You want me to do that for you? I'd love to. Who do you need that do that for? And can I pass you for a moment? Can I get in your business? Can I speak to all the men in this room? Statistically speaking, 70% of men are addicted to porn. All the men are tight right now. If you came out of that lifestyle, let me just warn you. You're going to go in the prayer closet, remove all distractions, and you will think about a girl you haven't seen in 10 years. That thing you did in high school, that thing you did in the club, and you're like, Satan, get behind me. That's not Satan. That's God. Because you prayed, God, heal me. You said, God, take that brokenness out of me. And now that you've removed all distractions, God has opened up the hood to your, your heart. You said, search me, O oh God. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. And he's trying to get that thing out of you, and no one else sees it, not even you. Because there are some side effects to prayer that no one will tell you about. It will mess you up. That's the second point. Prayer will show you how far you are from God. By far, I'm saying you think you're intimate and close, but you're really not. My wife and I, were in year 10 of our marriage. It's a great year because the first nine were cray-cray, okay? <laughs> Particularly when we're picking a movie to watch. She loves, i got to say this gently because I'm going home third. <laughs> Romantic comedies. I think she's the only person that keeps Hallmark in business, okay? I love thrillers. I want someone to, like, break through the window and, like, shoot everyone. And the first couple of years, I I'm going to watch this movie. She's like, oh, I don't want to watch that. And so we had this game. You pick it this Friday, and I remember last time it was you. It's my turn now. And then when we'd watch the movie, one person would be happy, and then the other person would be miserable. Now we're in a new season of our marriage where I let her watch that trash Hallmark stuff, and I just lay next to her. I go, hey, you can't be allergic. Let me rub next to you. I'm not even watching the movie. I just want to be with her. And that's how you know you're close with someone. Listen, you can sit next to them and not say a word, and there's no awkwardness. You ever talk to someone new for the very first time, how weird it is? You know the worst situation is when you get into an Uber. I, I get anxiety. Because is this one of those crazy drivers that wants to talk for half an hour? So I'll put the headphones in as a universal sign, don't talk to me. And then he goes, how was, how was your day? And I, I don't know how to answer. Do I say good or good? How is, if I say how, if I ask, it may be another half an hour. And then at, once you get past the pleasantries, is it like weird? You don't know what to say. You're just like, mm. it's like awkward. And some of you, when you go into the prayer closet, it's like going into an Uber. Like, hey, God, how are you? And after the first question, you're just like, awkward. Because you didn't know how far you are from God until you prayed. And when you feel that, listen, what often happens is you don't want to be near God. You don't want to go to church. And I wrote this sermon to help some people. Amen. I want something to unlock. Because I wish someone would have told me these things 20 years ago. My relationship with God would have changed. Those are side effects. But here's the reality. God's not afraid, intimidated, deterred, or discouraged by your mess. Which is why the title of my sermon is Pray Messy. 
God wants you to. And in this moment, I'm going to show you this verse where Jesus is going to show us how to pray from the analogy of a parent to a child. Because I wrote like this, when you get the who of prayer correct, the what and the how will take care of itself. See, when you have anxiety, you don't know what to say. But when you get prayer in its proper context, it's the who that matters, not the what. Are you ready for the verse that's going to help unlock some things for you? Mark chapter 10, Jesus is speaking. He says this. People were bringing little children to Jesus. Let me just pause right there. Any children in the room? One's leaving right now. She's got a cowboy jersey. We're praying for you, John. <laughs> he just told me today he's a Cowboys fan. I was like, oh, my God. Six months in, you're a traitor. Wow. <laughs> wow. But I love little kids, but they're messy. They got applesauce on their lips. They got milk on their shirt. And they always, doesn't matter how many times you tie their shoe, their shoe's getting untied. Right? And I love parents who are like super type A, always clean. I love when their kids get messy. Because watching them freak out. Because kids are messy. And imagine these little kids who are messy are coming to Jesus. And you got to understand this is the first century. This is not like the Mr. Rogers culture that we have today. Where we love kids, where we celebrate kids. Do you know Mr. Rogers was a theologian, went to seminary, wanted to tell the world about the love of God, and wanted to go to kids because no one was loving kids. So he created that show because he believed everyone's made in the image of God. But that's our culture. In first century, it's men, excuse me, this is not our belief, then it's women, and then underneath women is children. They're the lowest of society. They're, not, they're like subhuman. They don't have rights. No one wants them. They're annoying. And so you have to understand, when families are coming to Jesus, the kids are being pushed away. They have no value. And Jesus sees this. It's like Peter's in line. He sees little fat Johnny in line. And Johnny's like wanting to meet And Peter, John's like, no, 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 let's, let's move, Mr. Johnny. And Jesus is like, let Johnny come. And Johnny comes up to Jesus and goes, Jesus He's like three years old. What's your favorite animal? And Jesus goes, camels. <laughs> Have you ever hung around kids? They don't hang around stuffy people. So Jesus lowered his position so he can have a conversation with children. Listen, I wrote it like this. Some of you have anxiety in the prayer closet because you don't know what to say. Pray messy. Someone say pray messy. Because kids often say things that don't make sense. You ever talk to a kid before? They're like little drunk people that aren't drunk. <laughs> God wants you to pray like that. I use, often use my children as sermon illustrations. I got a better one today. Watch the screen. What did you think about the ride? It was great. And a pony. Dad. I've never been on live Dad. television before. <laughs> What? I probably sometimes I don't watch the sh I don't watch the news because I'm a kid and apparently every time apparently Grandpa just gives me a remote after he watched the Powerball. Powerball. <laughs> Tell me about the ride. What did you think about the ride? Well, it was great. Why? Because apparently you're spinning around and apparently every time you get dizzy. Yeah. That's all you do is get dizzy. Fun? Yeah. And I've never, ever been on live television. I never, ever be on live television. Are you excited? Yeah, and apparently I only went down the super slide. When I went down the lawn, I was scared half to death. I just freak out. Okay. Okay. Right. What I need is name. What did you think about? 
There we go. Come on. I love that kid. No one asked him if he's ever been on live television, but he's talking about it, right? And no one asked if his dad's an addictive gambler watching him Powerball, but he's just letting it all come out. And you got to pray like that. Apparently, you sent your son Jesus to die for me. You know? And apparently, you gave me a wife that's a little crazy who loves Hallmark movies. And apparently, some of you got to learn to pray some apparently prayers. Because it's better to pray something than nothing. And I love that little kid. He's, he's praying. No one's like, shut up, little boy. No one understands what you're saying. I understand three things he, that little kid said. But everyone was leaning in. You know that kid became famous? Went on Ellen, went on uh, Jimmy Kimmel, went everywhere. He became super famous. Because why? Because when the adults were listening, no one was telling them, oh, you got to learn how to speak, little boy. No, parents leaned in. I wrote it like this. When a kid talks to a parent, the focus is on position, not performance. This is not a teacher where you're trying to earn their love. You're a son. You're a daughter. It doesn't matter what you say. God's leaning in. Yeah. And so often we think, oh, my gosh, i got to say the right things. Listen, I wrote it like this. God is not, God enjoys your wobbly, disconnected, nonsensical powerball, scared half to death, apparently prayers. <laughs> He's more interested in connection than conversation. I wrote it like this. When a kid, when a parent talks to a kid, listen, he wants connection, not conversation. And, he, and sometimes we think we got to bring these big theological prayers to Jesus. It's like, oh my gosh, Jesus, you said, uh, according to John 14, uh, that you're the way, the truth, and the life. And that you're the only way to heaven. Yes. But then what happens to people who don't listen, who have never heard your name? No two-year-old's asking that question. You know what the two-year-old's going? What's your favorite animal? And Jesus goes, camel. And G the kid goes, yeah, big poop. Jesus is like, I know, I made him that way. <laughs> Some of you need to learn to say something like a little kid to God. And you're so silent because you don't know what to say. Just get in the Uber and begin to talk. And if you're afraid, I really like this, if you're afraid of not saying the right thing, be encouraged you're doing the right thing. Search me, oh God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. He's going to open up the hood. He's going to show you some things that you may not want to see, but it's going to help you in the end. Amen? Amen. Number two, kids. Someone say, pray messy. Kids are selfish. Kids are selfish. If we were to record all of your prayers and God were to answer all of them, let me tell you, you'd be driving a Lambo, you'd have a house, and no one else would be blessed. Let's just be honest. Most of us are selfish, but I love little kids because their selfishness doesn't stop them. They're boldly selfish. Remember, after service, I usually get in the hallway with my wife, and we love interacting and meeting new people. And there's this one gentleman who came up to me. He's like, I need to talk to you, Pastor Ali. I'm like, sure, I'd love to chat with you. And he's like, I, I want to kind of like, he was like signaling he wanted to talk alone. And so go down the hallway, and it's like 15 minutes after service. He waited until everyone else was gone, and he convinced the to chat with me, and he's like, you can just tell he's emotional, about he wants to confess some stuff, and out of nowhere, my little seven-year-old goes, dad, dad, <laughs> looks at him, looks at me, and goes, dad, we're all way in the car, <laughs> we're hungry, when are we going home? I'm like mortified, I'm like, oh my, I want to hit you, but I'll go to jail, I and I look at the guy, and he starts laughing because that's what little kids do. They're boldly selfish. If all you can give God is selfish prayer, do it. Something is better than nothing. Because let me tell you, 
Prayer, there are some side effects. It will expose the things that you thought you believed, but you don't believe. Side effects of prayer, it will, it, it will make you doubt the things you thought you didn't doubt. It will expose your selfishness. There are some side effects. Ask your pastor if it's right for you. But they still pray. I love that even though kids are selfish, they still pray. Someone say, pray messy. Kids believe anything's possible. They believe it. They, their prayers, if you want to learn how to pray, Watch a little kid pray. I have a mentor of mine. He's a seminary professor at SEU, and he got invited to this small town in Florida where there's maybe 30 to 40,000 people in this town, and they're having this big, like, prayer revival and having a big outreach event, and he's the main speaker. And the night before the event, the whole church is getting together, and they're praying that this event would be effective. And they give the mic to the senior leader. He's like, Lord, we're just praying for 10 people to get saved. Then they give the mic to the youth pastor. He's a little bit younger, more naive. He's like, Lord, we're praying for 50 people. And then this little seven-year-old goes, Lord, we're praying for a million people. <laughs> Why? Because a million's the biggest number because God's the biggest person. Can I challenge you for a second? When did your prayers become practical? When did you dumb God down so that you could do it your way, not his way? When did you say, God, I, I know you can, but I, could, could you just give me a little bit of increase at work? God, could you, could, you, could, you, could you help me do this? Do you even need God to do that? If you can accomplish what you want, don't pray. Pray big prayers. Pray impossible. That's the only thing that honors God. Big prayers honor God because God is a big God. Amen? Amen? This is my conviction. This is the thing that God had to speak to me. This is the thing that he challenged me. This is why I'm challenging some of you. Your pastor began to pray adult prayers, not childlike prayers. When we were online for 60 weeks and we were at 5 o'clock for two years in a room with no, don't you love the heaters on? This feels good. I, I used to preach with a jacket on. Then during the summer, people would get up and I thought they were leaving the room. And they'd go stand by the window because they are like melting. We didn't even need to teach about hell because you felt it in the room. It was crazy. But during those two years, my faith began to get crushed, began to die. And the way I prayed and the things I believed for God began to change. And it, I didn't even notice it. We go to, I would take my girls around. We'd go from building to building. Like, girls, what, like, why are we here, Dad? Like, we're praying that God would give us this building. And then I'd pray, and then they would pray. And I'm like, God, grow our church, double in size, so we'd have the financial means to get in this building. And then my kids would pray these prayers that would, like, upset me. They're like, God, give us this building. I'm like, no, that's not how it works, girls. <laughs> we, we, we have to, like, get a loan and then buy the building. Don't pray these crazy prayers. And I remember we had a staff meeting one time. I never told the staff member this, but we was Pastor Dalen, Pastor Ethan, and myself. This is, like, early 2022. And she prayed this prayer that kind of rubbed me the wrong way. I love you, Dalen, but you prayed this prayer. God, give us a building. I'm like, mm. And I met, it wasn't until I went to the prayer closet and God opened up the hood to my soul. And he said, just because I have it doesn't mean I can't. How big am I to you, Alan? Which is why we had to, I had to write that song, Lord, Do It Again. It's a song we released last November. God, I heard of your great stories, the wonders of your name. God, would you do it in our day, Lord? Would you do it again? Because I was praying. God, my prayers became like an adult, prideful. I need to come down like a child again. And here we are staying in the building that was given to us. Come on. 
Here's my question for you. Where in your life do you pray like an adult? That you need to pray like a little kid again. Someone say, pray messy. Kids are helpless. Kids, kids can't do nothing by themselves. They can't change their diaper. They can't get themselves milk. They can't dry and fold their clothes and put it away. So annoying, okay? I, any adult here loves, I love doing laundry when it's just towels. Because like five pieces of clothing. The moment it's a kid's laundry, it's like 350 pieces of clothing. Every sock, every shirt. Oh, my gosh. It's crazy. Kids can't do anything by themselves. Have you ever felt helpless? Maybe in your marriage, helpless. Maybe in a, a financial situation, helpless. Maybe you're trying to buy a home and feel helpless. Maybe you have an addiction, something you can't break and you feel helpless. Can I share a secret with you? I wish someone would have told me 20 years ago. Prayer's prerequisite is helplessness. You don't actually begin to pray until you feel helpless. You know what the opposite of prayerfulness is prayerlessness. I wrote like this. Prayerlessness, the prerequisite is pride. I don't want to pick on anyone, but the reason you don't pray is because you're self-sufficient. You don't need God. Because if there was a bouncer in the prayer room of God, he goes, why should I let you in? I'm helpless. Come on in. Three men in the Bible, three stories in the Bible, a dude named Barnabas who's blind, who's helpless, and he called out to God, God heal his blindness. There's a woman, we don't even know her name. We'll meet her and we'll get to heaven. All the Bible calls her is the woman with the issue of blood. She spent all of her money on every doctor and no one could help her. And then there's Lazarus. Dude was dead in a tomb. You know what all three of these people have in common? They were helpless. And they needed God to move on their behalf. Can I show you a verse that will show your situation with new, with new faith. This is the Apostle Paul, the greatest apostle ever. I was given the gift. Someone say the gift of a handicap. No one looks at their wheelchair as a gift. No one looks at their diabetes as a gift. No one looks at their dyslexia as a gift or their lupus as a gift or their multiple sclerosis as a gift. Paul says, I was given the gift. Someone say the gift of a handicap. To keep me in constant touch with my limitations. Satan's angel did his best to get me down. What he did, in fact, was to push me to my knees. No danger then of walking around high and mighty. At first, I didn't think of it as a gift and begged God to remove it. Three times I did that. Then he told me, this is the Lord speaking, my grace is enough. It's all you need. My strength comes into its own in your weakness. Once I heard that, I was glad to let it happen. I quit focusing on the handicap and began appreciating the gift. Someone say the gift. It was a case of Christ's strength moving in on my weakness. Now I take my limitations in stride and with good cheer. These limitations that cut me down to size, abuse, accidents, opposition, bad breaks. I just let Christ take over. And so the weaker I get, the stronger I become. Can I share you a secret that no one ever shared with me? Because you, you, you see me on this stage and you think, oh, that's a super Christian. Oh, that guy's, that guy's strong. Mm-mm. I wrote it like this. The strongest Christians are the ones that realize they're the weakest. Can I share a little secret with you? 
there's probably three or four people in your life that pray for you as much as my wife and I pray for you. Jesus, because he's sitting on the right hand of God, he's interceding for you. Your mama, because she prays for you all the time. Your spouse is probably number three. And I'm telling you, my wife and I are number four. We pray for you guys all the time. But can I share with you a secret? On Sunday mornings, I don't pray for you. I wish I could be super spiritual and say that I do, but I don't. Because on Sunday mornings, I got to pray for myself. See, I'm dyslexic. When I read, I jumble words. And sometimes you think I'm like, Pastor, why is Pastor Ali read so dumb? Because I am. I'm trying. Thank you for laughing. So I got to wake up super early. I usually wake up on Sundays at 4 a.m. And I study this sermon for two hours from 5 to 7, just going over and over again, trying to get in my heart because I want to give you my best because I feel so inadequate. And then I get to church at like 8 o'clock, two hours before service, and I'm just praying the whole time. If people who are on the worship team, they just seem like a caged animal just pacing back and forth. And I'm usually in the back, and there's this prayer that I go through every Sunday. Because you see me on stage, and I'm like, who's excited for church? And people watch me online, like, oh, my gosh, you're so charismatic. Let me share you the secret. I'm in the back going, God, can you bring someone else to preach today's sermon? I don't want to do this. And then I got out, and then I touched my feet. God, blessed are the feet of those who bring good news. I'm bringing good news to your kids today. Then I touched my belt. I'm not preaching my truth. I'm preaching your truth. So if they're angry, they're angry. I'm just the mailman. They're going to be angry with you. Remind me. Because sometimes I take it personal. Then I put my hands on my chest and go, God, I don't deserve to be on this stage. I'm just as jacked up as everybody else. Not the Cowboy fans. Definitely not the Raider fans who are watching from prison online. We love you. But the only reason I'm allowed on this stage is because the righteousness of Jesus. Amen. Then I put my hand on my heart. The Bible says, guard your heart above all else, above your money, above your crypto, above your Pokemon collection, above all else. God, if there's anything in my heart, you got to bring it out. And it's usually, let me just be very, if my wife and I are fighting, i got to text her right there, angry with you, but I forgive you. And then I go back to prayer. Then I put my hands on my lips, God, God, as the rain goes forth and comes back and produces crops, so your word goes forth and never returns void. It feels like I've given a TED Talk but I'm preaching. And I touch my eyes and my ears. I say, God, give me the prophetic opportunity. Show me, God. Because there are sometimes I prepare, but he wants me to go in a different direction. God, I want to hear your voice when I'm preaching. Then I put my hands on my temple. God, I'm afraid of preaching. But I don't have a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. And then I put my hands out. Romans 12, I offer my body, God, as a living sacrifice. I never wanted to do this, God. You know that. But I heard your voice and I obeyed it. And then the universe, I'm under arrest. God, I surrender to you. God, fill me with your spirit. Because I'm a shy, awkward kid. And then I get on stage, I'm like, who's ready for church? And the people who watch us online, they come to church like, oh, my gosh. Hi, how are you? I'm like, hi, nice to meet you. And they're like, It's my weakness, but it causes me to pray more, so it's a gift. Do you have a weakness?
Little kids know they're helpless. Prideful people don't need God. Someone say, pray messy. Kids, copy what they hear. I got some trauma. Can I share it? My mom will pray right before a meal. God bless her. She might be in the room. I can't see. It's too dark. But when she prays, that food is getting cold, okay? Because she starts in Genesis, and she doesn't end till Revelations. We were there for breakfast. Now we're having dinner. And so because of that, my prayers are super simple. Thank you, Jesus, for this food. Amen. And I pray like that every day. And then one day I go, my, my oldest daughter, Sophia, I go, Sophie, it's your turn to pray. Guess what she prayed? Thank you for this food. Amen. I was like, girl, pray. <laughs> but she only prayed what she heard. When you don't know what to pray, pray scripture. Tim, Tim Keller says this, our prayers should arise out of the immersion in scripture. We speak only to the degree we are spoken to. Which is why we're doing Lectio Divina, by the way. The whole point of Lectio Divina is, is to teach you how to pray. Search me, oh God. Someone say, search me. And know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. And you just pray that over and over again. Over and over again until God speaks. And he opens up the hood to your car, to your soul. He goes, oh, there's some, there's some people you need to forgive. See, when you don't know what to pray, pray other people's prayers. Because that's what little kids do. They copy what their parents pray. Your father in heaven gave you this book. Because he knows you're his little kid. And you don't know how to pray. So for 21 days, let's pray, our, let's pray our father's prayers. Amen? You can bow your heads and close your eyes. God, thank you so much, Lord. That your word is living and active. God, I want to pray for those this morning that feel messy. That God, every time they pray, they, they realize what they believe and how much they doubt. And it's pulling them away from you, God. That every time they pray, they realize how jacked up and messed up they are. And God, sometimes when they go in the prayer closet to be alone with you, it feels like they're going in an Uber. And they don't know what to say. God, I pray for those people. It's okay. You're not discouraged, deterred by our mess. Because a parent, Lord, loves to hear the connection they have with their children, not the conversation. God, give us the mindset of a child. That teach us to focus on position, not performance. And when we don't know what to pray, God, teach us to pray like little children. I pray, Lord, for this church. There are people in here, God, that don't know you as their father. Let me quickly explain the gospel to you. You and I were separated from God because of our sin. And good works could never bring us back to him. You couldn't feed the homeless people. You couldn't do nice things. No matter what you do, there will always be a separation between you and God. So God had to send his son, Jesus, born of a virgin, who lived a sinless and perfect life. And then Jesus came not to give us a book, not to give us a religion. He came to die on a cross for our sin. And if you want a relationship with God, he's the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through him. And Jesus came to die for your sin and my sin. And the work of a Christian 
or someone who wants to become a Christian is simply place their faith in Jesus. If that's you this morning, you're feeling this tug on your heart. Or maybe you've been away from God for a very, very long time and you want to come back. I would love to pray for you to pray to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior with every eye closed and every head bowed. Thank you, God, that you're our Father in heaven, that you sent your son Jesus to rescue us, that Jesus is our older brother. Like a good older brother, he died for us so we can come be connected to you, Father in heaven. We're so grateful for Jesus, Lord, but it's you, Father, that we talk to. It's you, Lord, that wants to adopt us. But we can't come and speak to you until we receive your son Jesus as our Lord and Savior. If that's you this morning and you want to pray this prayer with me, I want to count to three. I want you to shoot your hand up on the count of three. One, two, three. Just shoot your hand up. No matter where you are in this room, just shoot your hand up. We'd love to pray with you. See your hand. I see your hand in the corner. See it over there. See your hand over there. I want everyone to pray this prayer out loud. Thank you, Jesus, for leaving heaven for me. You lived the life that I couldn't live. And then you died the death that I should have died. Thank you for loving me in spite of my mess. I turn from my sin. I repent. I receive your gift of salvation. I receive your gift of forgiveness. God, as much as I understand now, I want to follow you all the days of my life. I place my trust in you. I place my faith in you. Can we give it up for all the hands that went up? Hey, thank you again for listening to today's message. If you found today's sermon encouraging, inspiring, would you consider subscribing to this podcast? That way you won't miss the next word that's coming. See you next time.